Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome to Simply Holy, a podcast for Catholics who want to grow in holiness and joy by living a simple, everyday spirituality. I'm Marge Steinhag Fenlon, and I am so excited that I have with me here today Amanda Lauer. And let me, I just, I have to give you Amanda's bio because it is so impressive. You are going to run out as soon as you hear this, you're going to run out and you're going to look her up and you are going to find her books and other works. So Wisconsin resident Amanda Lauer saw her debut novel published in October 2014. A world such as heaven intended hit the number one spot in its genre and on Amazon two months Later was the 2016 Young Adult Kala winner. That's a great award. Second book in the trilogy, A Life Such as Heaven Intended, was published in April 2018. Third book, A Love Such as Heaven Intended, was published April 2019. And book number four, A Freedom Such as Heaven Intended, will be released October 7, 2021. I have read the first three. I cannot wait for number four to come out. Next, Anything But Groovy Lauer's first foray into time travel was released in March of 2021. Lauer contributed her story, Lucky and Blessed, to the anthology Treasures, Visible and Invisible, which was released the same month. Busy, busy lady, my friends. In addition, Lauer, <coughs> excuse me, copy at its movie screenplays and is the co-writer of the movie The Islands, for which she received the 2020 Best Writer Award. Holy mackerel, got to go see that movie. Lauer learned the technical aspects of writing as a proofreader in insurance, newspaper, and collegiate arenas. Over the last 20 years, she has more, more than 1,500 articles published in newspapers and magazines throughout the United States. Besides her proofreading, copy editing, and writing career, Lauer is involved in the health and wellness field and does commercial acting and modeling. She and her husband, John, have been married 40 years, congratulations, have four grown children, two sons-in-law, a daughter-in-law, and seven precious grandchildren. How is that for an impressive bio? 
Amanda, welcome to the show. I am so excited, so excited to be able to have this conversation with you. Well, thank you, Marge. I really appreciate you asking me to be on the show. It's an honor, and I'm super excited to talk to you today. Tell me, now your bio says a lot. Tell me some background that maybe isn't in your bio that gives us maybe a little glimpse into what, what is Amanda Lauer like when she's not standing behind her bower, uh, her, her bower, <laughs> her bio. <laughs> Look, I'm all excited. <laughs> um, well, to give a little bit of background, so when I got out of school, I went into proofreading as uh, for actually for uh, in the the in insurance industry, and um, I did that until my husband and I had our first child, and then I basically took off 15 years to raise the four kids and get them all into school, and then I went back to work for actually the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, had a series of regional newspapers throughout the state of Wisconsin, and I went to work for them as a proofreader and somewhat of a copy editor, but through working with them, I figured out how people write stories because I proofread so many stories. And when they were short of beat writers, I volunteered to start writing. And I started covering um, high school football, which was probably one of the first women in Wisconsin to do that. And from there, I went into all different types of areas, writing health and writing about, you know, financial things and you name it, the gamut. Um, after 9-11, they shut down all of our newspapers, and so I was on my own, and I decided I was not going to punch a clock anymore, and I was going to set out and go into freelancing. So from there, I started writing articles for numerous uh, newspapers and started also freelancing as far as proofreading and copy editing. And like every journalist, I had a dream of writing a book. And this came about because I was shooting some photos one day for one of the newspapers I work for. Gentleman I was chatting with and shooting his photo was telling me that his wife had written a book and she had an agent in New York City. I was like, wow, that's so amazing. I really would love to talk to her. So he made the connection and um, she said, you know, I want to start a new book. And you said, you want to write a book? Let's do this. This was around Thanksgiving time. She said, Let's get together the first Wednesday after the holidays and we'll meet at a coffee shop and you bring me one chapter of a book and I'll bring you a chapter of my new book. I said, yeah, that'd be amazing. So the holidays come and go about six weeks time passes. I hadn't typed one word. So I had to be at this coffee shop at one o'clock in the afternoon. It was nine o'clock in the morning and I had nothing and I wasn't sure what I was going to write about. But I do remember writing a story for a newspaper about a gentleman who had an extensive collection of, of paraphernalia from the Civil War, from his his relation. And he, his great great uncle had the most interesting story of what happened to him in the Civil War. And I love Civil War history, I've read a ton of books on it, saw a lot of movies. I had never heard a story like his. So I said, you know what, it'd be really neat to take that as the kernel for a book and expand it make it into a love story because I always wanted to write a book that was the kind that I wanted to read. And I love historic romances, but the problem is I didn't like the bodice rippers. I liked the ones that were clean and there wasn't really such a thing at the time that I was aware of. And so that's what I decided to write. 
So I sat down at my computer and then started typing and realized I didn't even know how to write a book. I literally went to my bookshelf, grabbed a book and said, how do they do the he said, she said, and all that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, so what I did is brought this fresh, warm copy of chapter one to my friend that we met in the coffee shop. She kind of copy edited mine, proofread mine, and I did the same for her. And what we did is for 24 months, we met at that coffee shop. Well, actually two different coffee shops. And um, every month we would just trade one chapter. So literally I was just writing one chapter a month. And usually it was fresh the morning before I had to be there at one o'clock at the coffee shop. <laughs> and after 24 months, I had a 24 chapter book and it was ready to be to send it out to see what I could do with it. At the time with things going on in our life, we had a child who was a make-a-wish child at the time who had some serious health issues. I was only able to query maybe a couple places a year, literally. That's how busy I was. And so first I started with big romance publisher. Well, never heard from them. Then I thought, well, it's Christian. It's Catholic. It's Christian. Try that. So I tried a Christian romance uh, type historical romance, a big one. And they were like, too sure about it because it was Catholic and they didn't really actually realize there was any Catholics during the Civil War apparently. So (laughs) then I found a Catholic publisher who did fiction. So I sent it to them and they held on to it for like nine months and uh, so I couldn't query anybody else and in that time they ended up shutting down their Catholic fiction line and just went with nonfiction. So then after nine months I got the book back again. And by chance, someone told me there was a gal from the United States who had married a guy from Canada, and they opened up a um, Catholic fiction publishing house in Canada. And he said, you should check in with her. Sure enough, I did. And she bit almost immediately on, on the manuscript. And she, she got back to me like two weeks later and said, we have a strong interest in publishing this book. Um, just one thing we're going to ask. And if you don't want to do this, we completely understand. And she said, we want you to turn it from third person to first person limited perspective. I'm like, absolutely. I'd be happy to do that. I said, what do you need it back like in a couple of weeks? And she's like, oh, I'm going to give you about six weeks. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so then I immediately go online and type in third person. <laughs> First person limited perspective. I had never heard of it. I didn't even know it was. At that point, I would say anything to get that book published. And so basically how it is, is every other chapter goes from your female protagonist's head to the male protagonist's head. So it worked out really well for a Civil War story because you're seeing the war from the perspective of the man who's on the war front and the woman who's on the home front. And by chance, this book, they were on opposite sides of the war. Mm-hmm. And they had to find a way to find common ground between them to save their lives and to survive the war. And so after that, after I did that, the book came out, got lots of great press. Within a week, people were starting to compare it to Gone with the Wind. I'm like, oh, my favorite <laughs> book ever. Yes, that's amazing. What a compliment. And within another week, my friend called me up and she said, my grandma just read your book. She absolutely loves it. And she wants to know when the sequel's coming out. I said, there's no sequel. This is, this is it. My life is complete. I wrote a book. She's like, grandma wants to know what happens to Dominic. I said, I don't know what happens to Dominic. I mean, you know. I'm like, how old is your grandma anyhow? She said, she's 93. I'm like, 93? Like, what's the longevity in your family like? She said, oh, she's got a few years in her still. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it took me like two years to write this one. But I, I ended up 
writing a sequel and then after you have a sequel then you end up writing a third to make a trilogy and the fourth book came I thought the trilogy was it and I mean I got all sorts of recognition sold a ton of books people seem to love the series but actually during the whole COVID thing the lockdown a couple of different uh, movie studios actually approached me about making the book into a movie which would be a huge blessing and it still is something we'd like to see happen. I don't know if it'll be with them or somebody else or whatever God has planned for this. But one of these producers suggested that I um, make add another book to the series and have this with a young woman as a star who is African-American. And wow. so there was a character from book two who worked out perfectly because mm-hmm. people probably wanted to know more about her story anyhow. So we made a whole book about her. And that's the one that comes out in October. And there is a fifth book on the horizon. Um, about And all the books, the kind of the interesting thing is are all the characters, the main characters are connected. So like one person will be somebody's brother or sister or their roommate from West Point. Or, you know, they, they yeah. all have some connection to each other. And they all kind of connect in the end. And um, so... The fifth book will actually be the younger sister of the star from the first book, so her story. So, yeah, so that's what I'm working on now. So hope to finish. Uh, (laughs) And I have no doubt you will. And, and again, I just I want to alert our audience because they are great. I loved them. I loved your books, and, and I cannot wait for that. Now, not only the fourth, but now the fifth one to come out. Um, I hope you I hope you can keep running with this for a good long time because it's it is the the research that you put into these books is really something else and and so here historically accurate and then the characters I find fit so well the times I th- I think you've done an amazing amazing job so now I have to ask you because you mentioned the journey trying to find a publisher for Catholic fiction mm-hmm. and and in it's it's you know there isn't or wasn't there's more now but I years ago I, I remember I was looking for that for our kids when they were in their preteens teens and there was just nothing out there for them and and the thought occurred to me that this is a great way to I want to say entice, but I, I don't know if that's quite the right word, but to, to at least from my perspective, to invite people into the Catholic faith. Because, and, and I'd, I'd like your, your feedback on that, because I thought what you did with that was, was interwoven so perfectly that it wasn't a hit you in the face kind of, evangelization it was very subtle but super interesting so so talk to me about that how 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 can catholic fiction be an instrument of holiness for others no i definitely i agree it's very very important and i think it's a great way to introduce people to the catholic faith and so many people have read this from all walks of life And a lot of people will say, you know, I'm Mormon or something, but I just love this book. I can't get over how much I love these books or whatever. Or people will say they're fundamentalist Christians or whatever. But the heart of the heart of matter is that they're clean, Mm -hmm. beautiful love stories. I mean, everybody kind of loves that. But like you said, I do try to 
gently talk about the Catholic faith in somewhat evangelizing. But on the other hand, I'm just trying to show two people who are born and raised Catholic who live the Catholic faith as best as they feel that they can. And plus, I love to teach in my books, and I try to be very subtle about it, whether it's teaching about the war, about race relations, anything like that. But I try to keep it really subtle and to try to open the door to get people to want to research further, even on their own. So I, I really do do what I can to talk about the Catholic faith and introduce different parts of the faith and get people curious enough. And maybe they may have they may have misconceptions about the Catholic faith that I hope to dispel by them reading it. And some people actually have have hard feelings about the Catholic faith for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And I think when they read this, they realize these are just people like the rest of us. We're, we're all trying to be better versions of ourselves. We're trying to, you know, someday get to heaven. And, um, you know, that's kind of what I'm doing. So, well, I, I am so grateful for you. And, and I hope in the, in future episodes to get some of the other Catholic fiction writers to talk about this because, because my impression in my naive self many years ago was that a Catholic book, it had to be very straightforward, you know, like you were, you know, teach the faith and, and that's it. But here's this beautiful way of entertaining, uplifting, and enlightening i think people as they read this beautiful story and and so this idea that these are completely fictional characters that can move the heart so beautifully is is it's an experience reading your books is an experience and and it was something that was it was fairly new to me. I'd read I'd read Christian fiction before, and thought because you know that was many 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 what decades ago, and was like that was all that was out there, and I thought, hey, this is pretty cool. It's it's clean. There's nothing bad going on here, and and it was a nice escape. That's the word I wanted. That and and here is this, and and I hope you can talk more about this. Here's this beautiful escape again. In your fiction, but yet it also has this beautiful Catholic aspect. So it's like, from at least for me as a reader, it was like an oasis. Oh, thank you. That's so kind. So, go ahead. No, I mean, just that. I and and I did you did you think? Was that your intention when you when you decided to write Catholic fiction? In other words, were you thinking about how you could lead hearts to the Catholic faith, or were you thinking about how to spin a great story, or was it both? I'd like yep. to hear that from the author's standpoint. Right. So... To be honest, it was both. 
first and foremost, I wanted it to be a compelling story that people would remember that could create conversations, especially because it's the Civil War was the most divisive time in the United States history. And now it kind of seems like we're reliving that. So first and foremost, I just wanted a book that was exciting, that was intriguing, that grabbed people, that that told a really amazing story that's based on a true story. So that was that. But in my heart of hearts, yes, I love my Catholic faith. I would love to see everybody look at and consider the Catholic faith for what it is. It's just so beautiful. And I want to introduce it to people in a gentle fashion. And I want them to be intrigued enough to talk to somebody about it or look at something or be more open-minded if you run into a Catholic or you hear something about the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what I hope. And it doesn't necessarily mean everybody's going to convert. That'd be all right, too. But, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's yeah. a goal. You know, yeah. even if, if a few people, if it turns their hearts or if it softens their hearts towards people of different faiths, then it's worth it for that. Yeah. Well, in along those same lines, it where did where did the ideas for your characters come from? Yeah. Then. Uh, that, yep, that's an interesting question. Well, first of all, the gentleman from the first book, he's based on a real life person. So my friend's great great uncle who fought in the Civil War, and he had sent back letters from home that they still have. They have his uniform. They have his photo. So they had a lot of information on him. So his actual day-to-day experiences were things that we got from his actual life. That being said, as far as the characters, um, the women in my books, they're all young women, and by chance they're all around 16 or 17 years old when the book starts. So the women are actually, for the first three books, were based, one was based on each of our daughters. <laughs> oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah. So what I did is my my publisher, Ellen Gable, she gave me like a 50 point questionnaire that you had to create for each character, what their background was like, what their parents are like, what their siblings are like, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And what I did is I just pulled it in from my daughter's perspective. So the first is based on my daughter, Stephanie, our oldest daughter. The second character in the second book is based on my, on our daughter, Samantha, our middle daughter. And the third one is based on our daughter, our youngest daughter, Elizabeth, who's, who's got quite the personality. Um, and you can see each one is a little different because the girls are different, even though we're sure. same mom and dad, but they're very, very different personalities, but they're all beautiful people. So it was fun. And, and then the guys I base on, um, men I know in my life, my husband, our son, and just different people I've met and they're kind of, it's kind of a compilation of people, but, um, so yeah, really when I write characters, most of them are based on people I really know in my life for good or bad. That's why I tell people you have to be nice to me or I'm going to reach into my next family. <laughs> it may not turn out so well for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> it just is. Uh, so, so which is your favorite? book or your favorite part of a book because maybe you don't have a whole book that's your favorite but but I think every author is partial to one one part or one book yeah well it'd be hard to pick out parts because there's just so many like scenes that there's actually some scenes I should say and it probably happens once at least in each book where literally I've read these books each of them 20 times and 
where I literally will get teared up reading it. And so those heart to heart moments where they finally connect because in each of the books, the man and the woman is on the opposite sides of the war. And there's always a point where they finally make that connection. And it just is so stirring. I love that part. You know, the first book is probably my favorite just because it's the one that launched the whole, the whole series. That being said, each book is so different that I just love them. Like my new one that's coming out is about this young African-American woman. She's of royal heritage. She's been enslaved. She's doing what she can to escape, gets involved with the Underground Railroad. It's, it's just intriguing and exciting. Um, but I should say, too, besides my Civil War series, I also wrote a time travel book about a 13-year-old girl in this same age who gets knocked in the head and wakes up and has to live her mom's life at age 13 in 1974. And it is such a shock to the system, the fish out of water. Um, that's been so much fun um, because I based it on, on different scenarios and things that happened in my life. When I was in middle school, I had the unfortunate experience of being bullied. And so that's kind of what happens. This girl falls into her mom's life and has to live all the things her mom went through with the bully and everything and trying to navigate life in the 1970s without, you know, phones and the things everybody has now mm -hmm. and it's such an eye-opener for her but it's so fun I mean when you read that book I laugh all the time when I still read it or if I read out loud if I'm doing a presentation or something um, so I, I think that one's really fun too because um, there's so many things that were these little tidbits from my life as a matter of fact people who are my age the baby boomers have actually had people come up to me and say like how did you get a hold of my diary yeah <laughs> what my seventh grade life was, life was like. And I said, probably in the 1970s, ours all, no matter where you lived in the U.S., it was probably all about the same, right? Um, so, but yeah, it's just really been a joy working on that. And the funny thing with that book is, oh, my teachers have read it. Some of my teachers, even from grade school, have read it and enjoy it. And the feedback has just been so much fun from that. And I do have another, actually, the book I'm actually physically working on right now is another time travel. I love... Uh, writing YA young adult stories because mm -hmm. I felt like there just wasn't good ones, not yeah. too many of them when I was yeah. growing up. So I'm trying to to help that generation have have good stories to read, but this one is about a 17 year old girl again. She's working at a golf course, gets struck by lightning, and opens her eyes, and she's on a golf course, but it's the oldest golf course in the world at the end of the 1600s. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about really now game like <laughs> so. So can you share the title of that one or not yet? I am debating, but the one I'm looking at, what I'm tentatively thinking is ancient and royal, or royal and ancient, one of those mm -hmm. two, because um, St. Andrew's Golf Course, they call it the royal and ancient golf course, so I'm going to, it'll be a play on, on that title. But yeah, that one's fun. It, that also takes a lot of research, too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I don't know what I keep getting myself into here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got a lot of history there, so. And I love history, and it's like, yeah. by chance, all my history teachers through middle school and high school were amazing, mm -hmm. and they just brought history to life. And that's what I'm trying to do, because I feel like kids aren't necessarily getting the history instruction that we got as children and students. And so I'm really trying to go in-depth into especially the Civil War times, because there's so many misconceptions about the, the Civil War and the causes and the sides and you know, I think I think it's an eye opener even for adults to read this book because I did so much research and actually like 
When I wrote about West Point, I talked to a mom who has two West Point grads. When I talked about um, the Citadel, there's a gentleman that um, we know who was a Citadel grad. And he told me about life at the Citadel. Of course, it's a little different in the 1800s than it is now, but a lot of the tradition is still the same. So it's been so interesting to me talking to these people and learning about these different you know, backgrounds that I'm making for my characters. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I was like, so with the time travel books, is there, is there a Catholic element, a, a, a um, obvious Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you go to the first one, which is called Anything But Groovy, kind of based on my life, the girl lives in the same house her mom grew up in, so she knew the house and everything. Her mom went to the same school that she's at, so it's a small Catholic school in a small town. Okay. And um, so, you know, you have the priest, and this was in the 70s when the priests were kind of at the hallelujah, the guitar man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's kind of interesting, too, and they, you know... <laughs> Yeah, it's it just it's so different than I think it is now. So I think people will find that interesting too. But with my other book, yes. So this girl is in Scotland. It's a Catholic country, but even when she 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 doesn't know what else to do, she has to stay with these people that find her. And it turns out it's a young man who's um, his father's the lord of the land, and they go to mass every day, and it's in Latin, and it's like that's an eye opener to her too, because like, why are these people so religious? And she <laughs> thinks they're a little overboard, but it, yeah. that's what life was in the 1600s. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that will help her appreciate her faith and learn a little Latin along the way too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's ingenious and, and, and I love what you're doing. Now I'm curious about your own faith journey. And you, know, you mentioned yeah. a little bit your, your your time growing up but we're because you obviously and i've known you for a long time i know this for a fact you are in love with your catholic faith so what led you to this point right now in your faith yeah it's interesting i was born and raised catholic went to catholic schools from first grade through eighth grade because back in the day they had no catholic kindergarten of course um, my dad was born and raised Catholic. His family's Irish. He's a first first generation American. Um, so faith was always very important to him. My mom um, was not really raised in any faith. And so my dad was the one that brought us to church every week. And he was busy, worked two jobs. And like this was our time we got to have with him every week. So it was very precious to me. And I loved Catholic school. You know, regardless of the things that you go through in junior high, the bullying, the girls, the, yeah. you know, gossiping, all this and that, yeah. I love it. And I still actually, last week, Friday, I had coffee with a nun, a sister, who was my sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, like, English teacher. Oh, how cool is that? <laughs> she's so awesome. I still love her. And so, and she's one of my biggest fans, so that's cool, too. And even the librarian and principal at our my Catholic school has all my books, and she carries them in the library at the mother house where they are now. Um, but but a lot of like a lot of people, you know, you go to church a week because that's what you do. But of course, I got confirmed. You know, my brothers both got confirmed as well. And but then when I actually met my husband, he came from a family of twelve. So when he told me that, I knew right away he was Catholic. <laughs> My husband gets the same thing every time. Twelve kids, you must be Catholic. <laughs> I'm like, this is a good guy. And so when we started dating, we literally, we had a date every Sunday morning to go to church. Every week. Nice. 
Yeah. And even when I went to college, I didn't finish. But while I was there, um, I'd come home on the weekends. We always went to church together and it it was it became more and more important to us. And especially then we started having children. It was very, very important to me that our kids go to Catholic schools. And I will say we could not afford it. We were as poor as church mice because I was a full time mom. Mm -hmm. And um, but we you know, God wanted it to happen because everything fell into place. And actually, all four of them have graduated from Catholic, well, three from Catholic high schools, all four from Catholic colleges, and one from a Catholic grad school, too. So wow. they went through the way, and they're all practicing the faith, thank God. But but through the years, especially, I don't know, in the last, like, 20 years, it just I just see the beauty of the Catholic faith, and I just want to learn more and more about it. And because ever since I started writing, I've had amazing opportunities. I also write for the Catholic Diocese for their newspaper, The Compass. Mm -hmm. So I get to meet all these amazing Catholics, so many priests. They are some of the nicest people on the planet. And when we go to the Catholic Writers Guild, the Catholic Marketing Network Convention every year, I meet more and more fellow Catholics, more and more Catholic writers. And I just, I can't get enough of it. I go to every single session I can get my hands on. Uh, I have read so many books on the Catholic faith. I just find it so fascinating and so beautiful. It's like I want to share it with everybody. And that is reflected in my work. I'm, that's how I'm sharing my faith. It is really, it's just so amazing and so beautiful. And I just want to keep getting deeper and deeper into it, whether it's veiling at Mass or saying the rosary every day or going to daily Mass at least uh, well, on Wednesdays, I'm the lector, and the I have other duties, so I'm there every Wednesday for sure. But and Fridays, I try to get there too. And and it's just there's just so many things about this faith that are just so amazing and so beautiful. And it just I'm so so blessed, especially I have to thank my dad for introducing me and making sure that you know that we were raised Catholic. Yeah. Um, it's just really the the most amazing part of my life, really, and it, it translates to everything. And many years ago, I was interviewing a gal, and she was telling me, as a Catholic mom, her number one goal in life was to get her kids to heaven. Ever since I heard that, I'm like, usually people say, I want my kids to get into a good college, get a good career, marry the right person. But that just struck me, and I've like that has been my goal ever since. Now I have seven grandkids that I also want to help them. (laughs) And so I, you know, I'm praying every day for everybody. And I am trying to be the kind of Catholic that when people see me out and about in life, they look at me and go, she must be Catholic because the way she's acting. I want nice every Catholic job. To be that. Yeah. yeah. I want, I want people to recognize Catholics immediately by what wonderful, generous people they are and how they say, you know, what would Jesus do? But the blessed mother is so special to me. I try to live my life like she would, like I think yeah. she would have lived, lived, lived her life. And I really try to emulate what she does. And um, that's really, I, it translates into everything. My life, my marriage, my parenting, my grandparenting, my career, everything. Yeah. And this is just, this is the rock of my life is my faith. Yeah. Well, I, I, I love that. And I, I can, I can testify firsthand that you really do do that. You really do radiate your faith you don't just believe in it you radiate it it's 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 really something else and and i agree with you that you can there are certain people you just look at them and go yep yep 
that is a committed Catholic person. Uh, and I, I'm so grateful for you and, and all of the other committed Catholics because the world needs us right now in a very big way. And, and this is how, this is how you attract others to, to, to the Catholic faith, to, to faith in general, uh, when they see a positive example, but even more than that, but someone who is so on fire that you realize that person has something I need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's a mission in it of itself, but it, it encompasses all of our, everything we do, all of us, whatever walk of life that we're, we're heading down. But it, it, you know, we're talking about this, the living the faith and the, now since it's, it's simply holy is, is the podcast. I always ask my, my guests, what does holiness mean to you? How do you define holiness? Holiness to me is living in a fashion like Jesus would or like Mary would, living that in my day-to-day life, having it be every part of my net life, not just the thing you do for one hour every Sunday. And to think every decision, to try to filter it through your faith so that you're making decisions that help make you become a better ber- version of yourself. I mean, I love Matthew Kelly always says that, but that's my goal every day, to be a better version of myself every single day. So that's really holiness is when you Every decision you make, you, you use that as the guiding light, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's to me. That's that is absolutely beautiful. Um, well, you know, I'm looking at the clock and I'm thinking, well, no, can't be, can't be, really, is it? But it is. It's it's time to to wind things up, and and I am, I I can't tell you how grateful I am for you agreeing to do this interview. And and sharing so much of yourself with us, it's it's such an important way to pass on the faith. And and I just I so much appreciate not not only what you do but who you are. So very 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 grateful for that, Amanda. Where can people find you? I mentioned that at the opening of the show, and I have to follow through on my promise that people just need to go and find you, look you up. Mm-hmm. Well, if they want to see everything that I've done as far as um, different books, even books I've contributed to, to they can go to amandalower.com. Or if you just, you're interested in just buying the books that we talked about, just go to Amazon. Everything's available on Amazon and get it shipped right away like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Amandalower.com. All right, folks, please Please go check her out. You will not be disappointed. I promise. AmandaLauer.com. And if you want to find me, you know how I close every show. MargeFenelon.com. You can find my other interviews there. Simply Holy Podcast. My videos are there. My books are there. I've got uh, religious articles for sale there. What else is there? My blog. You can find out how to bring me to your parish or your conference, for a retreat, a talk, whole day event, whatever it is, I can do it for you. I can do it online as well. And I think, Miranda, you also speak. Mm-hmm. I so, sure 
That's right. We don't want to forget that because Amanda, I've listened to Amanda speak. She's really good. So, folks, AmandaLauer.com, MarchFenland.com. And please remember that the only thing keeping you from becoming holiness are the excuses you make for not. God bless you, my friend. And go share your faith with you. This is Kevin O'Brien of EWTN's Theater of the Word. I'm excited also to teach middle school and high school literature, speech, and drama with homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. Your student can meet with me online for a live, interactive class. Whether you take apologetics with John Martinoni or grade school with Jackie De La Viaga or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, online Catholic learning for your homeschooling family is available for you.